0: Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. Give some solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them. And then through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once a year town hall or a company-wide email to share what causes the org supported last year. Givesome allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, Givesome does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. Givesome works with your company, and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit Givesome.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC welcome to my very special guest today. She's special because I'm really excited to talk with her. And it has been so long since we talked on our first episode, which we will talk about a little bit today. Welcome, Bobby Reset. How are you doing, Bobby?
1: Hi, Tyler. I'm, uh, I'm doing great. Thank you.
0: Amazing to have you on. And uh, for anyone in Calgary who hasn't been living under a rock, I think they might know who you are, but let's <laughs> never make any assumptions. I never like to make any assumptions on this show. You are the CEO and founder at The Virtual Gurus. So let's skip right to it. Let's jump in the elevator. What is what the heck is a virtual gurus? What do you guys do? What problem do you solve in the world? And what gets you the most excited about it?
1: Nice. Um, so virtual gurus is what we call a talents as a service platform. Uh, so we provide a virtual assistance, or we like to call them back office support, uh, to businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, what makes us different? is twofold. Uh, we provide work to marginalized and underserved communities. So the majority of our talent are people that could be single stay at home moms, to people with disabilities, to uh, black indigenous people of color. Um, and then with that, we have also uh, established that we are now the first virtual assistant company in North America who has uh, is working with artificial intelligence machine learning into our platform. So we're essentially matching uh, based on machine learning and the data that we've created over the last few years.
0: You've been in this elevator before, I think many, many times, if I'm not mistaken. So. (laughs) Let's go back to July 29th, 2020. And that was just the date that we aired the episode. You and I chatted way before that. So clearly when I listen to you talk, you have an entrepreneurial background. You've done startups before. You clearly have a technology background because you're talking about AI and you've created this amazing business because this is what you set out to do. How much of that is correct for my audience? And because, you know, I think a lot of people in Calgary have got to know you and the amazing work you do and also virtual gurus today. But let's go back a little bit. Let's do a little bit of memory lane. When you and I first chatted... That was probably June 2020, early to three years ago, Mm -hmm. but I feel a lot has happened. So talk to us a little bit about the the person I would have chatted with three years ago versus the person who's sitting in front of me today.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny because I actually have never been an entrepreneur before, Tyler. Um, this is my first, uh, this is my first go at it. <laughs> um, if well, would, well done. <laughs> well done, Bobby. Well done. Like, Thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would have asked me this many years ago, if I would have been an entrepreneur, I actually would have probably laughed. Um, I actually aspired to be a uh musician like a a sign language instructor for uh children who were deaf or hard of hearing um as i am a musician by trade that's actually what my background is, is is music but uh that was my goal that's what i wanted to be um and obviously the cards were laid out a lot different for me which i i fully embrace and i love it um but yeah no lots has happened i think since in june of 2020 um Uh, That's when I just closed my first seed round. That was my first round a few months prior to that, like literally in March. So of 2020, I closed 1.25 million. And that's the rounds that, you know, I think started it all. It took me two years to close that funding round. Um, 170 investors that said no to me. And, um, I was only able to close 1.25 million. And, uh, the funny thing is, is I was right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, a little bit around then. And so I closed another round, um, in 2022 of 8.4 million. Um, so both of my funding rounds were done through the pandemic and I am now in my series B officially right now.
0: Amazing. Curious. 170 no's. And you talked a little bit about that on the, so yeah. we don't have to rehash, go back. It's episode 66 yeah. on collisions. YYC. <laughs> if you search Bobby Reset collisions, it'll come up on, on Google, uh, <laughs> How many did you have to talk to to get the 8.4? Honestly. Versus the, one, uh, versus the 170?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like 10. 10. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: um, and how many of them were uh, talking to you first? I guess is maybe the better question. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. A lot of them came to me, and I did approach some of the Series A that said no, and some of them came in on the Series B round. So. Um, really at the end of the day, it's all about proving that you can do it. Um, you know, I get it in my seed round. I was again, a very first time entrepreneur, didn't really know what I was doing. Let's face it. I'm, I'm not the typical startup founder look and everything. Right. So I think, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, I needed to prove myself and, and I think I did just that. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those stories, like the rags to riches type story where you go from all those no's to okay bits that said, I don't think Series B is going to be that way. I think Series B is going to be a challenge because of okay. the macroeconomic environment right now. And so I'm a little bit fearful of that, but at the same time, I'm, I'm I'm totally up for the challenge.
0: It sounds like a cheesy question, but would you have done it any differently based on what you know now, the 170 no's that prove yourself? And when you prove yourself, that's not only outwardly, you're doing a lot of learning through that process. Yeah. Like, let's not just think I've got it all yeah. figured out. I just need other people to believe me. When I'm proving myself, it's probably because I'm also learning at a rapid pace. So if you look back on it, I can only imagine that trial by fire set you up for now, like what you said, will be a series B. You're like, oh, I've been here before. It's not my yeah. first rodeo.
1: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think if it weren't for the 170 no's, I wouldn't be here today. Um, where I am right now with virtual gurus is growth. Um Every, you know, when I first went into that uh, pitch and when I first went into that round, I should say, um, I remember thinking, oh, this is easy. I got it in the bag, Um, you know, and that was my first mistake. Um, And there were probably about two hundred and ninety nine mistakes from that round. But every single mistake only (laughs) made me stronger to the next one. And uh, that's why I love to uh, to mentor other young women that are doing it now, because I want them to learn from the mistakes at the same time, not to be afraid of making mistakes, because. It's important to learn from them. It's important to grow from them. That's what mistakes do, right? We all make errors. Um, But I I honestly do think that you know, when I was first going through it and I could kind of remember back is the first 10 were like stabbed me in the heart and like, ah, oh, God, that hurt. And took then it again, personally all the way home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. And next 30 kind of hurt a little bit. Next 40, I went through the angry stage and then I went through the, I'm going to prove them wrong stage. <laughs> like and I went stages through- of grief, yeah. stages
0: of grief, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. And I went through all of the stages. Um And um, honestly, like now I can talk funding. I, I know how to pitch. Now I can, I I, I know how to rebuttal the nose. I know this and that. So I'm actually very thankful for that experience.
0: Some of that, I got it in the bag that you said earlier. (laughs) Was that just, blind ignorance? Was it you're like, no, no, I had some mentors, I had some coaches, we were in good shape, or you just literally thought you had it and you didn't quite have it yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it, <laughs> we've was, all been there. Yeah, I mean, I think my ego might have gotten a little bit too big, too, because I thought I was on to something. I knew I was on to something. That, well, you clearly right. were on to something. You right. clearly were. Like, <laughs>
0: let's be clear here. You were on right. something.
1: <laughs> but I didn't, I wasn't, you know, approaching it in the right mind and what I needed. And, and uh, you know, I didn't have technology either, right? So I was approaching a lot of tech investors. And, um, okay. you know, and so it's it's a twofold, but it's more of like I really needed to have tech investors because I knew I wanted to build tech. I knew what tech I wanted to build, t- too. Um, and so uh, it, it, it took a little bit harder, but the ones that did end up believing in me, um, you know, were impact investors. Uh, everybody okay. that came in on that seed round were impact investors. And all of those investors came in on my Series A round um, and TELUS ended up actually leading my Series A round. Um, we had a lot of people wanting to lead the round. It's just TELUS strategically was best for me, for our growth at virtual groups. And then now our Series B round, we already have, uh, you know, quite a bit committed, and people wanted to come in, and and pretty large institution investors that are more impact investors wanted to come in. So it it really worked out right because the 170 original investors, the first 80 of them were the wrong investors for me anyway. So I like to look at it as maybe it was just practice and I didn't even know.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> clearly, clearly it was indirectly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Impact investors, how much? at that early stage because there's money and then there's the, there's the individual and then there's the guidance and support and knowledge. And so out of that 1.25, how many investors made that up?
1: Um, It would have been, I think it was, uh, it was, it was five in total. Uh, No, actually, sorry. No, I take that back. The 1.25 million would have been four in total. The series B, the 8.4 was uh, five in total.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I guess, just curious, just from that fundraising perspective and, and the impact of the individuals that not only chose you, but you chose, I'm assuming that impact was more than just the check that about. they wrote. And, and that's... And, yeah. And how much is that a lesson? Like when you first went into it, did you know that you were looking for partners or were you just looking for money? You
1: know, it, it depends if you look at it as a desperate measures point, right? Like I was, uh, I was borrowing money to pay the payroll <laughs> at the time. I wasn't even paying myself when I closed my c round Um, I was paying the, Two employees I had at the time, Um, you know, and so so you kind of look at it in that way. I lucked out by having one of my early investors who is an angel investor who sits on my board now and on my cap table still, um, who was giving me money to help me pay my payroll until I close this round. So I lucked out. Not a lot of startups have that, um, but that's because they didn't really necessarily like and they tell me this to this day. They didn't. It's not that they didn't believe in the company. It was that they believed in me. And that they knew that I was gonna take this somewhere big. They just needed to give me that chance. And um, you know, so awesome. I'm very thankful for that because unfortunately not a lot of startups get that. And it's it's you make or break at that point, right? So um that
0: well, when you're literally weeks weeks away exactly, from not making payroll, ex- right? Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. That's, and then having yeah. to not pay yourself and you know, everything. So it worked out for me. I think the series A round was a surprise because it went from my C round took two years to close. Mysterious A round took five months to close. Right through the pandemic, we were climbing three hundred percent year-over growth. So it was it was it was not bad. Um, you know, people were done pan- uh, panicking from the pandemic, so it worked out really well. Um, nice. And now I'm going into a funding round during another economic downturn. All three funding rounds for me have been during an economic downturn, which is also funny. Um, so yeah.
0: Some might say that makes you ready. I, I, yes, I'm I, easy. When, when does the easy time come? Because I've always been in an adverse <laughs> yeah. situation. I love what you just said about not paying yourself. I find a lot of people, a lot, I'm speaking very broad terms for sure, entrepreneurship is getting showcased and glamorized in a way I think it's never been before. Like when I was a kid, which was many years ago, you told your guidance counselor or somebody you want to be an entrepreneur, they would look at you like you needed to go to some type of special program. Like it was not celebrated like it is today. But I think oftentimes not paying yourself is almost table stakes in that world. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to get into it and I'll just, you know, be able to maybe cut my salary back a little bit. I'm like, whoa, you're talking like you were going to have a salary. So- You learned, you came, you learned, you played. Three years later, give us a little bit of breakdown. What's the company? You had two employees when you were struggling to make payroll and you had an amazing investor come in and support you because they believed in you. And I think that's so much the journey because at the early days, Aside from you, it's just an idea. You make the idea real. But wh- wh- where are we at? Give us, give us, give us some of the numbers. Yeah, that um, for so attention. we're
1: we're actually at uh, about fifty employees now, fifty full time employees in our downtown office. Um, we are hybrid fully, which is amazing now, um, and uh, we have just over a thousand contractors working in the platform. So I think when we had interviewed back in twenty twenty, I was roughly around twenty to thirty. Um, contractors working and uh, so we're at yeah a thousand now the thing is is what makes us different with a lot of our competitors is they load their VAs up to multiple hours where we actually allow our VAs to decide what kind of hours they want to work and so the data creates it and we do all the logistics in the back so let's say if you use a virtual assistant and you think you need the virtual assistant for 20 hours well then that VA might say guys I need 100 hours to live Well, we're going to be able to fill that person up with multiple hours. And now the AI is actually going to predict how many hours you, Tyler, are going to use the next month. So logistically, we can give that person more hours. So we're really kind of getting more bang for our buck, creating more productivity that way, um, while saving clients a lot more money. And that's essentially what we've built with the uh, Series A funding round. Um, And so growth-wise a lot of the technology has taken a lot of the people work because we've automated a lot. Growth wise, a lot of our current employees are, um, you know, we have customer service to talent management and recruiting for the contractors um, to billing and marketing and sales. Um, Up until just literally this last month, we've only had four salespeople actually sign the service and no outbound. Um, all of our sales is inbound requests for services. Oh, okay. And we get about 300 inbound requests for services a month. Um, and so we just started doing outbound uh, this last couple of weeks. And so now we're actually scaling into a little bit of a bigger area. And then the other thing that we're working on is enterprise accounts. Um, Joanna Wynn here in Calgary, killing it. Um, our director of sales, Jesse's killing it. So we're, we're really growing. We're going into scale mode now um, and scaling at a really healthy growth, which kind of makes me sad because a lot of startups are laying off, but we're hiring. And so, you know.
0: That might be an interesting dichotomy of work. Some companies are, that's often the case. You get frozen uh, in your ability to hire but yet you're still busy as a company what do you do you look for external mm-hmm. resources how do you make that easy virtual boom enter virtual gurus so it's interesting where one up cycle one down cycle and one mm-hmm. in one group might yeah. be an up cycle in another right mm-hmm. would you say that and this is a broad just Are you guys recession-proof in that way? Or is it proving out to kind of look like that? I know that's a broad statement to make the word, (laughs) recession-proof. But it it feels like there's there's an offset or a balance where companies are being forced for lots of reasons to downsize. And all of a sudden... But they're still busy. They still just means usually less people doing more work is what often happens when a company does that. Boom, and yeah. then you guys get to and enter I think into the fray. It's
1: recession proof, but I mean, um, you know, because virtual brews was essentially made during the recession in 2016, um, and yeah, so I mean, yeah. I think definitely it is recession proof. But I think the difference is is that people are realizing. That ad hoc fractional support is kind of the way to go. Um, and you're going to want to go to a company or an agency or a platform that has a reputation. And we have a reputation now and we built that brand and we focused deeply on the brand in this last two years. Um, I just had the largest virtual assistant in North America. I, I text him constantly. I talk to them regularly because I'm like that annoying little sister. What are you guys doing now? What are you doing now? You know, I keep my competitors really close. He told me that all of the virtual assistant businesses in the U S are afraid of us because we probably have the best brand out there. Um, and. Uh, oh, that's yeah. amazing. What, what, what right? a backhanded compliment. That, I love it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that means my, I'm doing good things. Um, you know, and, and I, I truly think it's yeah. because of reputation. We've worked hard on it. We're the only VA company that puts our uh, reviews on Google. We allow Google reviews. No VA firm does because a service is hard to sell. You know, people are either going to like or hate you, and and is, uh, yes, people shy away from that. We don't. Yeah. We we we're proud of that, and so um, we really focus on that. And so I think that people are coming to us for that. But alternatively, I also think people love the story behind virtual brews and the people that they're helping because you know you know, you're getting a service, but at the same time, you're helping somebody to pay their bills. And that's important.
0: Well, that is such the secret formula in any type of a buyer, like especially something that Mm -hmm. could be looked at as a commodity. I'm not saying it is, I'm saying it could. So what do we look for? We Mm -hmm. look for that thing that makes us feel good about the decision. Like, yeah, I need to buy X of this. And wow, this Mm -hmm. company makes me feel a little bit better about it. Like we're complicated, but we're not that complicated as human beings, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Uh, Who doesn't want to feel good about, we got to do this? Great. Oh, wow. I feel so much better. And then all of a sudden, and as you and I know, when you're selling into a large organization, how many people now had to become your advocates to then go and retell your story when you're not there? You kind of make it easy for them when you give them something with a little bit of heart. And everybody that's
1: in the platform, like we have a huge community hub they're all telling their own stories. And now we're making sure that their stories are being told more than mine are. Um, you know, like we, you know, we have talked about this uh, before that I'm constantly requested in the media, I'm constantly requested at places it's because everybody wants that story, um, you know, but it, there comes a time where now it's, it's time to start shining that light on the people that are actually doing the work in the platform. And it's been really great to see uh, a lot of the work that's been doing, doing there. We have panels with, virtual assistants on it we have podcasts with virtual assistants on them now like it's just been
0: amazing to get that out there how much i love i love that comment about you know the servant-based leadership approach and you know how do you make everyone around you the hero and make not make yourself but sometimes the media latches onto you because you're the face and that's easy how has that been for you just as the journey from bobby in 2016 or i'm just picking a timeline to now and going through some of that yourself and and being okay, but also knowing that it was the yeah. right thing to do for you. Um, I think birth.
1: there came a time when I started realizing that I was going to be asked to tell my story a lot more because it started happening. Mm. Um, where I really had to sit down and question if that was the path I wanted to take in in this journey. Um, but I realized that I needed to uh, in order to be the face of the business, but also at the same time to get the brand out there and to build the brand around virtual group stories, which is, which is giving work to marginalized communities. And, um, as somebody who has lived through those barriers myself, um, being marginalized, being, you know, an LGBT person, uh, of color, indigenous, you know, tattoos and this and that, I've seen those barriers. So. Right. And so. <laughs> all if I'm things, not I'm Bobby, the all shouting, the things. You know, <laughs> it <laughs> makes exactly. certain groups of people uncomfortable exactly. for no reason and, it does. and you yeah, either hit it head a, yeah, on it or you does, shy right. away from it and I had to make that decision let's just hit it head on, let's go for it and um, who, who I was nice. in though Tyler yeah. is funny because I'm, I'm I don't know, I'm such a nervous wreck to do any media, I didn't do speaking stuff very well and now <laughs> it's just like everyday but I mean, it's great, I like it <laughs>
0: Practice, practice, right. Like you said, if anything's worth being good at, it's probably worth not being so good at when you start <laughs> and, pay, and paying your dues. When you talk about the role that you play and your mission and your purpose and around marginalized communities. What are some of the KPIs? What are the things that you measure internally? Like, it, cause it's not, we have this many billable hours and we have this many people. I know it goes so much deeper than that. What are some of those KPIs that lets you know that you're not losing sight of that mission for yeah. all the growth? and? One of, of
1: the first things we needed to do was to ensure that our, our data and our technology could actually capture um, the self-identification areas. So when people come through, they self-identify. Uh, so the people that are working in the platform, um, now they could choose to self-identify. We never force anybody because you don't know the traumas that they have lived through. You don't know that. So we don't force them. Um, years ago, a couple years ago, the prefer not to say uh, was clicked. Was, it was really high. It was about 40%. So 40% of the people coming through were preferring not to say where now it's only 7% that are preferring not to say, which is insanely amazing. Like um, we're very proud of that because that just shows that people are feeling the safety of coming to a platform like ours. Um, Before when we spoke, like one of my goals was that 65% of our talent would identify as black indigenous people of color. Um, We've blown that out of the water. Now we're different. It's super different now because um, we've grown so much, but I think right now we're, we're pretty much close to about 50% identify as black indigenous people of color where um, before it was 95% identified as female, where right now it's actually 70% as female because um, more and more men are wanting to do this type of work as well. And, um, and so are people who identify as men. Um, and so now we notice that we have a lot more males in the platform, which is amazing because that's also diverse, you know, that's diversity right there. Um, you know, administration work is typically, you know, classified as a female role and, it's not now um
0: and so it's it's cool to have that i love you crate i love you said a couple of key safety people you don't know what their traumas are mm-hmm. so don't don't force and like create a, create a safe space and allow people to show up and a friend of mine you know is doing a podcast and we were talking about people with illnesses or you know just you know the hardest thing we can do as individuals and the mm-hmm. best thing we do is to meet people where they mm-hmm. are not where we somehow want them to be and that's a tricky balance because you can talk about it here but our own views, our beliefs, our value systems, yep. they support us, but they can also they get in the way really easily. And you don't even realize it, right? <laughs> you think you're, you think you're doing a good thing and it's like, Oh, you actually are making it worse or making it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I want to making it yeah. feel unsafe. I think that's such a great framework to put around it. They can, the people feel safe. They, they can, they can.
1: And it's great to see, um, you know, we have safe spaces in our platform, which we call our hub. Um, and, uh, now we have safe spaces in there and, uh, and it's great to see the women that are going in there to the males that are going in there too just everybody to people with disabilities to transgender folks and seeing that is my why and and to be honest a lot of people always ask how do I keep going every day it's that that keeps me going to be honest so yeah
0: it's 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 this perpetuating energy cycle when you're when you're feeling the change and feel, and feel and feeling the impact with your growth and your rapid growth and obviously signing on new partners, how diligent and I feel like maybe I'm, I'm asking a loaded question or, or something that have you said no to people? Like, listen, you're not mm-hmm. treating our people with respect. You're not living our values as a client. You're gone. I'm assuming yes, but how often does that
1: come up? Yeah, we fired clients. Um, we yeah. actually have had clients sue us because of firing them um we've had uh, Inter- oh spicy yeah, spicy yeah. um we've had
0: <laughs> you're gonna be in business someone's gonna sue you that's <laughs> just how Google's, it goes right
1: like um, you know you, you, my first time getting sued i was like ah but now i'm like ah we got this um <laughs> not that
0: it happens a lot <laughs> it does it does, lose its, it does lose its heat
1: after the fourth <laughs> or fifth time doesn't it <laughs> um but yeah i know we'll fire clients so funny. And, and typically what we'll do is we'll talk to a client to let them know that the virtual assistant didn't feel safe about maybe conversation they had or or maybe something they might have said not realizing you know that they said it um and we'll give them we'll give them a way out and tell them you know do you either want to end the service or would you prefer us to rematch you with somebody else typically they'll rematch but if we see that it's a trend then we have no qualms in saying you know uh, we're not the best fit company for you um here are some other companies that we would recommend you try out
0: yeah, it's so it's so again, you're, we're we're so defined by what we say no to over what we say yes yeah. to. Saying yes is almost yeah. easy. <laughs> Saying no is a whole other thing, especially as 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 it a business. Is. I like just pivoting back on AI because you can't you can't like I don't know kick over a news article today without the AI being mentioned <laughs> X amount of times on X amount of earnings calls. But I love what you said about how you're using AI because it might be easy to think, and I'm oversimplifying for sure that oh well, AI could actually replace my virtual assistant. But what I heard you talk about was like, oh, no, we're using AI to ensure that our our team, our people, our contractors actually get resourced in the way they want. They get optimized in terms of I need to work 100 hours to support my life. Great. Let's make sure we use AI now to streamline use cases and workflow to make that happen. What I didn't hear was, oh, yeah, we're building a whole AI assistant tract that could actually replace the humans. So I'm sure that comes up. I'm sure you get asked that on a regular (laughs) basis. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about just that juggling act of knowing what technology to use, but also how to use it.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, we get asked this a lot, especially with uh, the assistants, because, you know, it's going to happen. At the end of the day, my response to people saying, are you afraid that AI is going to take over uh, humans? Is that at the end of the day, we as humans need humans. We need that connection. We need that emotional touch. We need that emotional feel, that heart, that everything, right? So I feel like we won't. Um, however, that said, as humans, we're going to need to pivot to the trends and everything that's coming. Yeah. Um, I do think that one thing Virtual gurus is working towards is degenerative AI. Um, so we're going to be leveraging it a little bit more towards the tasks, but having it where our VAs will be leveraging it for the tasks. Um, and so that is something that's going to be coming from the Series B funding round. Um, but what we're leveraging AI and machine learning right now is that we're creating the data that allows us to properly match based on your behaviors as a client. So yeah. you might come in and say, well, I need 20 hours a month, and we're say, okay, But based on your behaviors with your VA, we're going to say, you know what, Tyler, you actually need about 60 hours a month right now based on all of the tasks that you're needing. So what we're going to do is get your VA up to that 60 hours and then we can logistically put that VA to other hours to make sure that they're making up the hours that they need and desire to live from. Um, Where one month you might actually go down and we might say, hey, Tyler, you know what, you actually only need 10 hours next month. Um, And so that we're able to kind of move you up and down. And so... We're working towards that. We're leveraging it now. It's working great. In fact, I think that's the scale side of what we're doing right now is helping us to understand how we're scaling more. And obviously, we have a lot more work to do on it, but it's it's really helping towards the scale.
0: I appreciate it. I love the augmented intelligence mm-hmm. versus artificial intelligence. I feel it's much more accurate, which certainly how I'm seeing it show up of people 10xing there, and I'm just speaking around and over, but 3xing their day because oh, I use this tool that actually allowed me to do higher leverage things, or use it as a thinking partner. You know, yeah. I use ChatGPT all the time because it pushes me. Because sometimes at six in the morning, my team doesn't want to get a, a a brainstorming call yeah. from me, but but ChatGPT is always ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll throw something crazy at it, and it'll bounce back and forth. And but it's augmenting and it's pushing me, not certainly replacing. Yeah. But uh, again, that's at a very pedestrian mm-hmm. level. Looking back at all the things. That you know now that you didn't know then, didn't know how to do funding and, and the technical side of it. As you went on your journey, which areas were the most were the most critical for you to skill up on uh, in terms of being successful? Like obviously, there's the people management. You can just go through the yeah. MBA list. There's the people management. There's the financing. And, you know, now there's being a tech, a non-technical tech founder who also is really empowering people. So thinking about all the different buckets, where did you really lean in versus where did you bring in help?
1: Um, I would have to see, it would be more like the the area, especially in this last six months, um, that I've focused the most on is leadership. Um, you can probably give me multiple businesses to run all day long and I will focus on scaling them because I've learned that scaling is something that i really appreciate and love um you know um but the one thing and the hardest thing to learn is leadership when you come into a scale up um not only do you have to you know always be growing in your own leadership you know and and how you're you're leading the team etc but you have to be able to create the psychological safety in the workplace like no other and you can't just omit that and expect everybody to say, like, you, you're going to have a high turn, you're going to have the, a turnover. And, you know, um, uh, yeah. and I've realized probably now more than ever in my entire six years of running this in the last six months, that it was up to nobody but me to fix the, the culture of the company in order to get us to this next level of scale. Um, and so I have to make big changes sometimes and changes that aren't good, but I focus deeply on it. And in order to do that, I went and graduated from Harvard to leadership program so I could learn from that. Um, I've set up my own personal board of advisors to help. I reach out to my board. I uh, have coaching and a coach that helps me to um, make decisions and kind of, you know, I can pick their brain, but I've really had to challenge myself on my own leadership abilities. and, And I also had to make calls within the company to say, we can't have this person work in there anymore because... They're not bringing the work environment that I inspired for it to be. So I had to really stand up and and do some big changes. And I'm thankful I did because now the culture is amazing. I am so proud of our culture. We're moving fully hybrid now. We're, we're, we're scaling it's just a loving culture and one that you know people want to work at. We have a zero percent uh, turnover where it's just beautiful, beautiful culture and that I am so proud that I was able to get it to that because oftentimes when you're in a scale up or a startup, you forget that you have to still lead and build a psychologically safe workplace. You forget about that. You don't do that because you're so focused on scale. Um, it's hard. Yeah, it's a hard pill as well. How's the um, how's the
0: imposter syndrome been along the journey?
1: Um better. <laughs> 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 I get am human, I get it every day. I'm like, wow I love like, it, I love it. But yeah. <laughs> um better, I think I've just learned how to navigate the imposter syndrome better. Um and to really say, Hey, you're you know, you're, you're okay kind of a thing and um, you know, and I think I've just learned to get through it. Uh but I don't I don't hold myself accountable in a way where I beat myself up anymore. Like I used to yeah, be like, yeah. oh, what did I do
0: that? I love how you said anymore. Yeah. Thanks for, I love yeah. your honesty, Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was the pro level so I get it. Yeah, yeah. I know, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, l- life can be easy and still be successful. That's a weird concept. I don't have to constantly, <laughs> like, beat myself on a regular basis and uh, things actually start to go a lot more smooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, you know, I, 70, 70% of people have uh, imposter syndrome, the other 30% live. Yeah. <laughs> <worse than> <Syndrome>. I've never had I, was, I remember the first time I was in an executive group. I was 2010, 20, 2011, 20, so a few years back. And we had a speaker and they said, you know, and they didn't call it imposter syndrome, but they said, just a quick show of hands. And it was, this was top exe- like senior executives and people that I felt like I wasn't in the, I felt like I was outside my pay grade. It was one of those rooms. I was like, oh, you're running a billion dollar company and who am I? And And the speaker said, who in this room, just by a quick show of hands, is worried that some Someday, some people are going to find out that they're not as smart as everyone thinks they are. And like three quarters of the room put up Mm -hmm. their hand. I was like, it's the first time I went, oh, this is a new perspective that I had never (laughs) processed before. And it was monumental. That was a long time ago. And I still remember it because it just all of a sudden made it a bit more human. (laughs)
1: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it changes a lot. It's a learning. That's a learning process. Um, I think I'll be learning it every day throughout my entire entrepreneurial life, uh, you know, um, it's okay to say no. If I'm not
0: learning, I'm not I'm not learning, I'm not right. living, right? So I I put those two things together. Yeah. And oh, this is uncomfortable. Okay, it must be because I'm learning something I need yeah. to learn. It's like I like working out and you know, if there's ever an exercise you're avoiding, it's probably the one you should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I think life is universal on, on that sense. Um Elevating and pulling yourself away from like building a leadership team, allowing them to go and do what they need to do and hiring the right people is so critical to that. But it doesn't always mean as entrepreneurs, founders, owners, we are good at getting out of the Mm -hmm. way. How's that journey been for you? You know, you don't scale without a team and you don't scale without getting out of their way. How's that been for you? That's kind of, I think it's different than imposter syndrome. It's in its own bucket. And I think a lot of, you know, Sometimes we find our, our our own sense of self inside our doing, and that can actually be a big detriment to our companies, depending on who we are in the situation.
1: It can be. It can be. And recently, uh, we've had to make a pretty big change at the company um, in removing some of our, our higher-up leadership team members because of that. Um, but for me, one of the number one things that I had realized was I, I could still be in everybody else's lane as a CEO while staying in my own lane. You know what I mean? Like yeah. um, yep. trusting the process, right? Um, you you give them freedom; they're going to give you what you need. And and this was something that it took forever for me to figure out. But right now, I truly believe that I have surrounded myself as one of the best teams out there, the best leadership teams out there. Um, nice. But. I built it enough where they believe in my process. They understand that I, uh, they're part of something big here and they understand that and they're building it. And I'm just standing out of their way. In fact, they're the ones that are sending me to do all the speaking engagements and be the face of the business. So I can just stay out of their way. (laughs) Hey,
0: if we get her doing some speaking engagements, she'll get out of the office and leave us alone. (laughs) I'm totally, I'm totally joking, but that's amazing though, isn't it? And you come back and you go, Oh my God, look at all the amazing things happen. And then you start to earn trust. You Mm -hmm. go, Hey, Maybe if I'm not, that's okay, yeah. and that's a journey I think for so many leaders. I'm playing it and being a little bit tug <laughs> t- tugging cheek about it, but you know, I-, I love the messiness of human nature, and leadership brings it out yeah. in a way that all of a sudden you you have an audience yeah. for your 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 human messiness.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, and you have to learn from them too, right? Like I have experts in their field in those positions for a reason because I don't understand it, I don't know it, and I don't. I rely on them so. You know, I learn from them every day. Um, I just sometimes have to make the decisions of yes or no. And, you know, as long as I tell them my why behind the no or my why behind the yes, then they they they, they're with me. You know, they own it. Um, Mm -hmm. They're with me on it. And they know we're we're all in this together. And so um, I'm actually very proud of my current leadership team, like super proud of them.
0: That's yeah. how you're kind of, and for anyone who's only listening to the audio, you're kind of glowing yeah. when you say that. Yeah. I I I love it. We've been in business. I've been in business for a while, and we've been through different culture cycles, and we're in a very positive culture cycle mm-hmm. right now. And the we've gone to a work from anywhere model. So we just had a Matt leave come back, and she's going to be working from Italy mm-hmm. from two in the afternoon until ten at night because that's what she wants. So and she's like, I'm so excited because I love Clear Motive, but I thought I was going to have to leave. And just giving them that, giving individuals that freedom or that opportunity because mm-hmm. we've just found a way to make mm-hmm. it work. It's been a really interesting uh, culture cycle of, you know, empowering the, the individual in their life and then watching how much more they enjoy working at the mm-hmm. company. Wow, what a novel idea. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I say these things a bit like, oh, that seems so obvious now that I'm seeing it actually happen in, in, in real yeah. life. And I do ce- I do celebrate because I think we've both been in bad culture cycles. Yep. And it's like when all of a sudden you have a place that you yourself don't even want to be, that's a really bad sign as a yeah. leader. <laughs> and it's
1: a problem. And when you're not feeling safe in your own company, that becomes, that's where, you know, things haven't gone right. Um, and, you know, it's, a, it's it was a hard pill to swallow in the last six months where I realized I had to make some major changes. Um, but it wasn't yeah, a lot of big changes, thankfully. Like it was enough that was doable, enough that was salvageable. Um, you know, and, yep. and now we're just on this trajectory that I can't even explain. Like you said, I'm glowing from it. But that's because every day I'm just so proud to see it. We had to work in, internally at the office for a long time because our systems just weren't made up. And we really like that collaborative environment. But we're going totally remote now. We're even doing uh, moving into desk hoteling and um, moving into where some teams will be fully remote. But we're still going to have our big center downtown Calgary where everybody can come to.
0: Nice. And do you feel from a scalable scalability perspective and being able to grow the team and getting the best people from anywhere that? That's actually a, a must do to allow you to scale. Because there's the argument of like, oh, we're scaling, we're really busy, we should all be forcing in the office. But then all of a sudden, you limit yourself to access to talent, mm-hmm. and there's su- it's such a balance. Was that part of the scale up decision to go, hey, we need to do this because it will actually become a superpower if we get it right? I don't
1: know, to be honest. You know, I'm kind of on okay. the fence about it because I um okay. um all of our talent is in Alberta, is in Calgary. Not one employee is outside of Calgary. Like we're
0: which I love that yeah. as well for so many others because yeah. I'm, I'm very pro Alberta, yeah. pro Calgary, as everyone knows.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's great to see. That said, um, we've launched in the U.S. a year and a half ago or almost. Yeah, okay. and we're on there. And 45 to 60 percent of our current revenue is coming from the U.S. Um, and so mm-hmm. we're super keen on fully branching out there. So I'm actually going to be heading out and, and hiring a uh, sales team out in the U.S., um, getting some some branches set up out there and everything. So. I think that that's important because I think that's going to be our first, okay, we're going outside of Alberta here. Um, Nice, I love it. But, I mean, I...
0: Where where geographically do you have, like it's to say the u.s is a very broad brush mm-hmm. <laughs> certain regions are you center midwest are you east coast are you think, eastern seaboard all the all the terms do you have a, do you have a target area did
1: some research and it looks like austin would be a pretty good town um uh, pretty good city i guess oh interesting um but it depends
0: it's certainly mm-hmm. happening down there i was down there a couple of weeks yeah. ago and it's like bill like it's it's actually kind of out of control yeah. there right now i hear
1: it's like it's amazing i'm gonna go down there and check it out but uh I heard it's pretty good. There's a lot of good salespeople there, a lot of startups. I think um we could probably get something going there. I'm gonna stay away from the Valley and, and California. Um, being a gig economy company, it's better to stay away.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for all the reasons why. Like you you wanna go to new territory, not yeah. go where, you know, got not to go where oh of course you're going there. Mm-hmm. And looking at I think that the things have just like again, the pandemic shifted a lot of things, especially mm-hmm. in the US. If you read about where the new hubs are and where people are like, Well, we just can't afford to be here, so we're going to go over mm-hmm. here now and creating that opportunity. It's just such a big market, there's so much volume, yeah. it's hard not to look at it and, and rub your hands together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes back to the individuals that you're able to support and your thousand, thousand contractors and helping marginalized groups throughout that, is from an inbound outbound perspective, is that we're just getting out there? I'm just thinking about because you're you're the plastic platform play. You've got to have you've got to have stocked up on both sides of the equation. or The business model doesn't work. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, being a two sided marketplace, you know, you you really got to focus on the talent uh, just as much, if not more, than the other side. Um, our talent is all over Canada. We have people that are as deep as none of it to people that are um, all over the U S. Now, um, so our talent can come from anywhere, and that's that's it's amazing to have that because they're all in one hub but they're everywhere and uh, we're loving it Uh, you know I have people that are mentors in our hub so our virtual assistants can apply to be mentors and they work their way up in um, their they have a different compensation package where they can actually like be incentivized to move higher up or become mentors or account supervisors and, and such um, and so we have people that are in you know places in in the US where I've never even heard of them like oh where is this town and kind of neat to see. <laughs>
0: You've got go and are they finding you? Is it are you guys going? Are you going out and actively recruiting, or are they finding you through communities and through word of mouth and like the inbound versus? Yep,
1: they all find us. uh, Find us. So we get anywhere from three hundred to three thousand applications a week in our our platform.
0: Three hundred, okay, because you said three hundred like people looking for work a Mm -hmm. month, but you three hundred to three thousand a week in terms of applications. Ooh, that's a <laughs> that's a success problem. That's a success problem. Like, I, you know, problems come in all shapes and sizes. That's a success yeah. problem. Because not having any would be a whole, that, that's a failure yeah. problem. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And is really my limitation or my main, do I need high speed? Is that literally like internet access becomes that, you know, it's a, it's a, It's a a critical piece of infrastructure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You need, you know, obviously we can't go into some of the communities we really want to go in because of broadband uh, shortages. But yeah, yeah, you would need high, like, there is a speed test that when you come through, Um, you do, we do require some experience. That said, not everybody has experience, so they will start off on more of the lower tier package. Um, and then they become okay. trained and sometimes they might not get a lot of work though, because it's, you're, it's a lot of competition in the platform, right? So, um, uh, you okay. can go through the profiles and you can select them, but they might not be a good fit for you. And the algorithms might actually say, Hey, you know what, this probably isn't going to be a good fit for that client. Mm, okay. Interesting. Um, okay. and so, so it's, it's, uh, it's a com- competitive world. Um, and so you might, it might take you anywhere from a month to three, four months before you even get a client with us. Um, and that's just because maybe of your skill sets, but we try to help and focus, and have them to focus on on upskilling and, and uh, helping them. And we try to give them test accounts, try to give them more accounts. We try to talk to clients to say, hey, look, let let's put a new person on. They'll be mentored by a senior person. Um, and so it's it it works. It works really well. Um, I think people can go anywhere from ten hours. Some of our VAs are all the way up to two hundred hours a month right now um and oh wow that's yeah busy.
0: that's that's hustling which
1: is yeah. really good but they're not going to get a full-time job but, from it right mostly so yeah. You know. okay so it really is
0: that gig economy mm-hmm. and it's but it fits perfect into so many non-traditional like what is a traditional nine-to-five world yeah. like so many people that's not realistic because of they're taking care of aging parents they've got children they, there's so many factors yeah. that, pl- that play into why you don't fit into the nine-to-five yeah. which i'm so glad COVID blew up that model even more than yep. it ever has been blown up before Absolutely. so many ways and there's so many people out there that can add value even in our industry's marketing we we kind of shifted a lot of our model through covid where we we scaled down on our on our fte but we've really increased our uh, access to contractors and their ability for them to add value and there's so many in our space you just have to put in you, you, you got to be good at finding vetting and onboarding versus just throwing it over the desk to somebody who's there that, that you can get a little lazy in that environment sometimes where using external resources just takes a a little bit more disciplined 100
1: Mm. percent, and you know our uh, um, our other app ask betty um Mm -hmm. so ask betty is mostly um single moms who have their young kids at home and are trying to make ends meet so you know they're single moms with their kids at home two or three four years old and they can you know turn their meter on when they want to work turn it off when they don't want to work Take two. And that's scaling totally on its own. And I think we're going to be starting with some chat to be in there as well. But um, it's, um, it's totally scaling and now being built into its full platform right now. It's actually going to launch out fully in the queue. For right now, you can only download it on Slack. But it's actually building its full app right now because it's scaling on its own. Um, and that's really neat because a lot of single moms, for example... They're not available, uh, you know, from eight until four or, you know, they can only work maybe when the kids go down to sleep or, you know, and so so this is perfect for them. Um, And so we have a lot of them, a lot of students in there as well.
0: Bobby, I love the vision. Mm-hmm. I love what you've created. Uh, I I look back, I've really enjoyed our first conversation, and it's so fun to kind of rehash and just it's amazing, because just huge congratulations and high fives and hugs and all the things for what you've created over the, over that period of time and how you seem more jazzed up about it now than you were when I yeah. talked to you in, uh, in, in 2020, which is a lot mm-hmm. to be said for really falling in love with the thing that you do and then do the living hell
1: yeah, out of it. <laughs> totally, and do the living hell out of it. I'm in love with it more now than I was before because now it's it's uh, it's actually doing what I visioned it would do, um, just on a much larger Incredible. scale.
0: Incredible! Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for coming on virtual virtual gurus. Um, yeah, sorry, I was digging on your website. So, uh, what is your? It's just virtual gurus, right? I'm somehow on uh, one of your targeted landing
1: pages. <laughs>
0: The vir- thank you. The virtual guru. I've got a. The, you know, when you look up in the URL, it's like I'm like, oh, why? Did, where's the simple URL? Thevirtualgurus.com. dot com. And I know you're super busy, but if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, are you? What do you love? Do you love LinkedIn? Do you like? Hey, oh my God, is there any preferred form for people to get a hold of you or have a chat if they're just dying to hear you yeah. uh, to talk to you?
1: Um, LinkedIn is good. I do have my assistants that are monitoring for me because I get a lot of emails on there.
0: I bet um, you do. I almost felt silly asking yeah. that question.
1: Um, or you can just email me at bobby at com.
0: Amazing. I bet you have excellent assistance. just taking have a full-time time. full-timer.
1: Full-timer. <laughs> She's amazing.
0: <laughs> that, that is awesome. Yes, we, we we are. We are the teams that we surround ourselves with. Absolutely. Without that, we all look pretty silly doing it on our own. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for making the time today. I appreciate it. I love your story. I love what you do. Uh, happy to to circle back and have a chat at any time. But this was great. I really appreciate thanks,
1: it. Heather, thanks so much for having me.